This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome to another podcast journey on the Place to Be Nation wrestling feed. It is called The Nation Invasion, and I am your host, James Gruenberg. We will get into why it's called Nation Invasion just in a quick, short minute. But first, let me introduce to you my guest here with me tonight. He's the host of the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast, on the North-South Connection feed, Mr. Jacob Williams. Jake, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Gruny. I'm happy to join you on this excursion on this very first episode, man. Yeah, um, thank you thank you for uh, being my first guest. Uh, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Well, not really for like a long time, but like, you know, everyone has their... Um, Everyone has, like, you know, chapters of pro wrestling that they're covering. You know, the Monday Night Wars, the Wrestling War Zone on the North-South Connection, they have the Monday Night War feed. Um, you know, Extreme Three-Way Dance has uh, ECW in the 90s. And you have the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast, which starts off in 2002 with the Ruthless Aggression era, you know, after WrestleMania 18. So I felt, hmm. What era, what's another era besides, uh, you know, ECW on sci-fi that I can cover? And it really just stuck out to me that I can do the invasion angle. Now, Jake, when you hear of the invasion angle, what is the first thing that comes to mind? So, obviously, it's something that's looked on very fondly as far as, you know, it's considered one of the most botched angles ever. Um, but honestly, so... Uh, it's an interesting concept, Rooney, because, I mean, I know the broad strokes of it, but, like, the nitty-gritty, like, um, I, it's a little fuzzy for me. Like, I haven't gone back and, and watched all this in detail, like, all the TV, like, the Raws and SmackDowns, like, where you plan to do. So I think it'll be interesting, like it is with all these, because with all these podcasts is that I think, you know, most people, this is a super hot time in wrestling, people remember the invasion angle, but I don't know how much they remember the actual week-to-week in the the detail of it so it'll be cool to go through that but i mean the number one thing always it's almost like a, a meme at this point is that the invasion was a disaster like it's just looked at as this um you know botched angle but we'll see how it goes as you go through it man like you may realize that it's you know maybe that holds up and maybe it doesn't we'll see yeah so let's go back to um, 2000, like March 26, 2001. That is the final WCW Nitro. Vince McMahon buys WCW, or or he thinks because in um in that same night, Shane McMahon says that he buys WCW. I wanted to do instead of going back for all the way back in 2001 because that's still in the war zone time, like the early uh months of 2001 are still in the war zone time i figured why not we just start with 
where the invasion really sort of begins and what we think like we're getting an inkling of, you know, like what's going to happen, you know, as we get into um, these, uh, as we get on through these months here. Um, so, yeah, like we said, March 26, 2001 is the last WCW Nitro. They go to WrestleMania 17 and there were some WCW superstars in the crowd. Some of these WCW superstars have stated on the record that they were supposed to interfere in the Shane McMahon, Vince McMahon street fight, and they were going to stand tall with Shane McMahon at WrestleMania 17. However, one of the WCW uh, superstars went on like a, uh, called in a radio show or like spoke to someone who was like writing like one of those, uh, forum websites or like a or like just like some like wrestling almost like a wrestling observer podcast uh or like radio show saying wcw superstars are going to be at wrestlemania 17 and we're going to be in the involved in the street fight which canceled that because they got rid of the uh, they got rid of that because uh that person opened up their mouth it is it's sean stasiak you know like he's the one who did it that's what everyone <laughs> said do you remember hearing a, like a rumor about that, Jake? I did not, but I don't think I, at the time I was quite in the know when it came to that thing, but it, that's certainly interesting. So I guess it was that the invasion was going to start like immediately, like at WrestleMania, right? Yeah, like uh, somewhere along, around there, like, you know, just to, like get like the voice across that, hey, WCW did not go away and we're coming to Monday Night Raw, you know, whether or not they would have continued on that next raw i don't think so but it would have been cool if that's how they did it you know by around um by around like april like you know late april like early may jim ross is down in atlanta you know he's signing all wcw guys that he can get his hands on and that vince mcmahon sort of wants in his invasion oh like in this invasion angle but everyone is thinking that it's going to be Hulk Hogan is coming back, you know, Goldberg, Sting, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, the NWO. Those guys were on um, Turner Time Warner contracts until almost the end of 2001. So they did not have to come to work because because they were getting paid so much money. All they had to do, Jake, was really... You know, just sit at home, wait for the mailman to come, and they would collect their check and go back on the couch. Right, exactly. And if uh, and if the WWF wanted them, they would have to kind of buy that out. Or, yeah, so not a lot of incentive for those guys to um, come and uh, beat their bodies up. Yeah, and also there were like talks of like, can we get a show on TNT again? Like, do you think they want wrestling on TNT? What can we do? And it looks like everything was not really going the way they wanted it to. I think they wanted to do like separate camps, you know, have um have a WWF Raw on Mondays and have like a WCW show either on like, you know, for SmackDown on Thursdays or something on Fridays, but the TV deals were not gonna happen at all. So like it did seem like everything was like not going the way that they wanted it to. So they were trying to make the best of a situation here. 
Yes, right, exactly. And so, and then as we'll get into on these shows, as things kind of get post-WrestleMania, there's another major happening that kind of throws a wrench in their plan post-WrestleMania. Yeah, another thing that also um, I wanted to bring up about 2001, 2001 to me is like the equivalent of 1993. Now, bear with me, Jake, because in 1993, Hulk Hogan leaves and is saying that he is done with professional wrestling. In 2001, the Monday Night Wars is over. Vince McMahon needs new ideas to see what he's going to do, because in 1993, he lost his uh, his best, his like, you know, babe roof of professional wrestling. His number one star had left. There is no competition in the year 2001. So that is why it seems that like, oh, it's a standalone year because in 1994, the new uh, the new era would start with Bret Hart, Luger, you know, Yokozuna was still around, Diesel and Michaels. And then in 2002 would start the ruthlessly aggressive era with, you know, John Cena, Batista and all those guys coming in, too. So in the brand and the brand split, too. So that's why I think 2001 is like 1993. It's like, where do we go from here? You know. Right, exactly. Definitely a big uh, transition point. Uh huh. So, before we dive into uh, this uh, show, I have one. I have one note. Like, I don't use the Wrestling Observer, Jake, but I know for a fact that this actually happened on the Memorial Day weekend um, in Canada. Brian Christopher, also known as Brian Lawler, was pulled over in in Canada by the Canadian police. He was charged with possession of drugs. On this very Monday night, he would be released by Jim Ross. Jim Ross sent Brian Christopher packing. So Brian Christopher, a.k.a. Brian Lawler, is gone from the WWF. At this time, Scotty Tuhati was out of an injury, and they were trying to like per- partner up Brian Christopher like with different like tags because Road Dog was gone, so they tried, you know, K-Quick, which is Ron the Truth Killings, with Brian Christopher, and then most notably here, here as we'll see, uh, he's teaming up like with Steve Blackman here. So they were trying to do two new things with Brian Christopher, but you know, too cool was gone here. You know, Rikishi's on the outs as well, and Scotty Tuhati was out with an injury. So they were trying new things, and lo and behold, Brian Christopher got caught with drugs in his. Uh, possession crossing the border so jim ross and Vince McMahon fired him uh your thoughts on this release here and uh, your memories of brian christopher <laughs> my memories of brian christopher um i remember him in too cool um i remember him in uh like in the early days of the cruiserweight deal which was kind of a mess uh but yeah i mean not shocking uh <laughs> Definitely not high on the totem pole. I, I do think it's funny him being released. Uh, we are going to see him on these episodes in a bit of a recap, so it is funny him being fired. We'll we'll see what the final <laughs> the final glimpse we're going to him and uh, uh, him with uh, Steve Blackman and Trish in that little backstage segment. Uh, so that's kind of funny. That ends up being his last thing. But 
Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine a whole lot would have happened with him. Uh, like you said, without the too cool thing, he's kind of left floundering anyway. So I don't think it was a tough decision for them um, to, to let him go. Yeah, and he's sort of brought upon himself. I feel like he would have been gone in like the spring cleaning with all the WCW guys coming in now. So it's like, you know, oh, we made it, they, he made it easier on them to like let him go. It's like, oh, you committed a crime. So you're gone. It's like, all right, bye. Right, right. So now, Jake, let's uh, dive into the show here. This is Monday Night Raw from May 28th, 2001. We're in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Funny how we're in Canada on Memorial Day. Like it's not <laughs> even in the United States. Like it's in Canada. It's like whose idea was this? Really? Like you don't want Memorial Day like to be celebrated like on Raw in the United States? You really want to go to Canada? Huh? It's like, yep, we do. <laughs> yeah, very interesting. Kind of ironic. And uh, but Vince will get his digs in in honor of America, as we'll see. Yeah. So we have a recap of the uh, SmackDown from the previous week. That fatal four-way TLC match for the tag, tag titles as Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho retained those tag titles, beating the Hardy Boys, the Dudley Boys, and Edge and Christian. As we'll see here tonight, there are still remnants of that TLC match because, you know, all those guys, like, um, in these two episodes are still really hurting from that match. That match was brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, yeah. the uh, Benoit headbutt through the table that they showed was particularly nasty. Yeah, and, like, I think even, like, Jim Ross said that, or, like, Michael Cole, one of them said Christian got, like, the worst of it, you know, like, as we'll, uh, as we'll see here. So, yes. Mr. Mr. McMahon comes to the ring, says Canada has made him feel at home, he encourages other Americans to enjoy the hospitality, saying Canadians brought ice hockey and beer. And so he's like, you know, and like he's like saying the devalue of the dollar, you know, like <laughs> yes. he's making fun of like he's making all these like funny like Canadian jokes, like the devalue yeah. of a dollar, saying that. Oh, Canadians only good for ice hockey and beer. You yeah, know, and, uh, I, mean, yeah. I dug the. He uh, also said the uh, the excess taxation was a good Vince line. <laughs> <laughs> so then Chris Jericho comes out. Jericho's microphone's not working, but he says that he wants Stone Cold. He demands a match with Stone Cold for the WWF title tonight. Jericho tells Vince to shut the hell up, and uh, also says that Vince McMahon's. Vince McMahon's hair is a toupee. Then he says, Vince has created the two biggest sluts, Stephanie McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah, calling Stone Cold a slut is quite a, quite a line. Then Jericho plays a video of Vince at the 1987 Slammies singing Stand Back. I did not know that this was until a time later. This was the first time that that video was shown. I only remember it um, in 2006 when the WWF, when uh, DX played it on uh, Monday Night Raw. Yeah, like uh, 
it is uh it is cool to see it in this era like it's uh it's so um like we see it all the time now because it's shown so much but also you gotta think this is a time when you couldn't just find all this stuff anywhere you wanted like you couldn't just youtube or something so whatever you did get the clips of this kind of stuff it was sort of a big deal um so very funny and just to see it contrasted with the mr mcmahon character is always is always really fun his reaction is great like um you know, because he's always so cocky and brash, so to see him actually get kind of embarrassed is kind of funny. Yeah, it is. It's always funny to see him get embarrassed. So, Vince McMahon announces that Chris Jericho tonight will face the Big Show for the hardcore title. Chris Benoit then comes out, so the tag team partner comes out. It's Chris Benoit. He comes out, and he wants to challenge Stone Cold for the match, for the title. Vince gives Benoit Rhino tonight. But he announces that if who like first you have to like win the match or give the better performance. So Vince McMahon, after these two matches, will tell either Benoit or Jericho that they will have a title match tonight, pending on their performances in their uh, respective matches here tonight. What do you think of this concept, Jake? Like, oh, if whoever has the better performance gets the title shot. Yeah, to me, it makes sense. It's just kind of classic wrestling stuff, like, you know, that they have to go through the heavies, like the henchmen sort of, to be able to get to the, the big guy. And I did think it was shrewd, and we'll see this on both shows. They definitely are aware they're in Canada and using their two big Canadian baby faces, Jericho and Benoit, and kind of using them to their full, you know, to their best potential here. So, like, just having them as the underdogs, having to face Big Show and Rhino and go through all this to see who's going to face Austin. Like, I thought it was smart of them in Canada to uh, to go with this angle, to get the crowd behind these two guys and kind of make this the the kind of show-long angle. But it, it's classic. You know, it's nothing groundbreaking, but it works. I mean, it works for a reason because – and also, uh, Benoit and Jericho are really locked in here. So in you kind of want to see which one of them is going to get the title shot, and you kind of feel like you're going to get to see a title match with Austin. So I think all of this kind of works to drive the episode of Raw forward. Uh, yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot of, uh, you know, Jericho and Benoit throughout these two episodes. And uh, this really is a big shine to uh, some of the, uh, like, you know, the next set of, like, uh, talent that I feel that Vince McMahon wants, you know, to go up against guys like Stone Cold and The Rock, you know, and Triple H that, Guys who are winning European and Intercontinental titles are finally getting their shine to step in the ring with Stone Cold for the the WWF title here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. It is. It's like kind of uh, it's like fresh matchups. I'm with you. Yeah. So, again, you know, trying new things in 2001 when you don't have competition. And uh, I think it's paying off very well. Mm hmm. So, Howard Finkel is in the ring, and he announces that Stu Hart and the Hart family are in attendance tonight, and we are in the Saddle, do saddle Dome here in Calgary. Stu, Stu Hart gets a nice standing ovation. He looks good here in 2001. Yeah, he looks uh, he looks as best as he could as his age. You know, he's definitely, you could tell he's... He's getting up there, right? He looks a little disheveled, like a little disoriented. But, yeah, he's still standing and kind of knows where he is. So good for Stu. And, yeah, he gets a great ovation from the home crowd. Yeah, I was trying to see if I could spot a uh, young Natalia or, like, a teenager young Natalia. But I don't know if she was in the crowd that night. I was trying to see if I could uh, 
see her there. Right. I only saw the uh, the random guy who looked, uh, I don't know who that was with the long, dark hair that looked kind of like a great value Brett. I did notice him. <laughs> Next to Stu. Stu. Yeah. So now we have um, the Hardy Boys versus X Factor. And um, I did not, um, starting off, you know, this is uh, the time when Eddie Guerrero was trying to be like the Hardy Boys, like, best friend here and he'll be out there with Lita as well as with X Factor it's X-Pac and just incredible but Albert will be in their corner so Eddie Guerrero is basically just like tagging around with the Hardy Boys here as the um, the Radicals uh, whole thing seems to be done at this point yeah he seems a little bit like he's a little lost right now and I know he would be gone pretty soon after I think we're not he's going to be out of the company He's going to go on kind of his little hiatus, I think, pretty soon after this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, he looks a little lost in the shuffle right now, especially when you see, you know, like Benoit is getting this kind of main event shine, and you just see Eddie kind of as the, like, the the third wheel for the Hardy Boys. It's kind of odd. Yeah, so Justin and Jeff start off, tags to both Matt and X-Pac. X-Pac throws Matt to the floor. Uh, frequent tags between both members of X Factor. So they're trying to, like, you know, keep the freshman in, you know, and corner Matt out of the way from uh, from tagging in Jeff, you know, so the freshman comes in. Bronco Buster to Matt. Lita pulls X Pog into the ring post. And then Matt Hardy gets the tag to Jeff, a poetry in motion to just incredible. He misses X Pog. Eddie interferes to hold X Factor back. A Tissel Fate by Matt and the Swanton Bomb by Jeff for the win. I gave this match two stars. Um, it was it was okay. It was good, you know, like a little on the shorthand, I think, you know. And like X Factor, I guess, really does to like not get a whole lot of moves in, but they do like a good double team work here. It's a fine match, so I gave it uh two stars. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I went two and a quarter. I thought the um I thought the Hardy Boys look good here. It's nice because in most of the podcasts I do, I'm at the point where Jeff Hardy is a disaster, a train wreck of a person. So it was cool to see him here a little bit, you know, a few years earlier where he's still kind of, you know, in his stride. So it was cool to see him moving well and, and looking like, you know, prime Jeff Hardy or at least, you know, looking great. Um, the Hardys look good. I, th- I thought it was just a quick match to put the Hardys over, uh, but it was good. Fast paced, didn't overstay its welcome. Uh yeah, and a twist of fate, Swanton, Hardy's look good. Perfectly fine uh, TV tag match. Yep. So backstage, we have Terry and Trish. I think they're, like, spraying each other with, like, spray tan or, like, you know, they're arguing <laughs> yeah. on who has more spray tan, like, who needs a spray tan. And they're discussing their uh, tag team match tonight. So as it's going to be uh, Terry and Perry Saturn versus uh, Trish Trash and Steve Blackman. Albert then barges into the Commissioner Regal's office, demanding a match with Eddie Guerrero today. And William Regal does give Albert the match. So tonight we will see Albert versus Eddie Guerrero as payback for interference. And now we have, um, yeah, so Albert, uh, Albert here looking strong, you know, and, uh, you know, Albert seemed like to be on the little bit of a right path to, uh, you know, being like a big, uh, tough guy here as well. 
Yeah, and I love I love Regal and Tajiri too. That pairing, um, with especially Tajiri and his little business casual, like his polo and his slacks, was uh, <laughs> I enjoy that pairing quite a bit. Yeah, me too. It's it's only going to get better from here, obviously. <laughs> so now we have Chris Benoit versus Rhino. Rhino go, and you can see here that. Uh, let's point out that Benoit's ribs are heavily bandaged. So the, the remnants of the TLC, uh, TLC three match are really coming into play here as Benoit's ribs are taped, which Rhino goes right after, like, you know, like, so, uh, Rhino goes after Benoit's ribs. Benoit applies the German suplexes across face to Rhino, but he gets to the ropes, a gore by Rhino, but get, but, um, Benoit goes to the, like, gets tackled to the outside. So it was a good move on him because um, uh, Rhino cannot make the cover. A superplex to Rhino. A spine buster by Rhino. Rhino's gore gets countered into the cross face and Rhino taps. I gave this matchup uh, two and three, um, two and three quarter stars, Jake. Uh, it's a very fi- – this one is a very great match, too. You know, like Ben Rhino going after the ribs, you know, like taking out Benoit's weak spots. A good move set by Benoit. Rhino with that good spine buster. And, the, like, the finish was really good. Like, you know, the gore getting countered into the crossfade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I went three on it. This well, match, Two like, and three-quarter stars. Yeah, so I went three. I thought this match ripped. Like, it was just – they didn't waste any time. There was no feeling out. Just super physical right from the get-go. Just throwing bombs at each other. Gores, the superplex, the Germans. All It's like a three-minute, like three- to four-minute blitz of just pure physicality. Like, And that's um, perfect for these two guys' style. Like, This is the exact match you want to see out of Rhino and Benoit. Like, I don't need Rhino doing mat work with Benoit. Just let them start fucking going at each other. And I'm with you. I thought the, the finish was fantastic with the, uh, the gore, how he just slid him in there right on the ground and put the cross face in good win gets the crowd fired up for Benoit hoping that, uh, you know, that he, so we have their so far one for one on their, uh, on the Vince challenge matches, but yeah, I'm with you, Renee. I thought that match was awesome. Yeah, it, it was really good. So now we have, um, Trish Stratus and Steve Blackman versus Terry and Perry Saturn on SmackDown. Um, SmackDown last week, May 24th, 2001, we would see Steve Blackman and, uh, Trish Stratus, uh, getting ready for their match of getting ready for a tag match match on SmackDown. And like, it's really funny. So like they're behind a curtain and where Steve Blackman has his kendo stick. It's in a very particular position, and Grandmaster Sexy walks in, and he thinks that he sees something else. His penis. And he believes he sees. Yeah, right? he believes he's yeah. seeing something, and it's not really that. It's just really like Trish is grabbing uh, Steve Blackman's kendo stick here. But uh, like I said before, Jake, they were trying like you know these new tag team combinations with some of the lower talent, and. Uh, Brian Christopher here uh, got the axe uh, for uh, getting busted with uh, drugs. So now it's uh, Trish Stratus and Steve Blackman versus Terry and Perry. Right. So um, so the last we see of him is uh, thinking that he sees Steve Blackman's gigantic kindlestick penis. 
<laughs> yes. And that's that's his last. Is that's his curtain call? Yeah, that is Brian Christopher's curtain call. So, um, Carrie Saturn's outfit here looks like he's going to a disco or like a really bad Hollywood premiere movie. What do you think of Perry Saturn's outfit here? Yeah, he's he's all over the place, old old Perry here. Um, yeah, he's uh, you know he's always known for the interesting fashion in this era. So uh, yeah, he's definitely got. I think he had like the fuzzy hat on. Uh-huh. The the multicolored facial hair, uh, and then I also like um, just like I said to Jerry earlier. We also have um, you have Saturn who looks st- odd in all this random fashion, but then he's got Dean Malenko with him who, like to Jerry, is in the business casual like tucked in polo shirt, which is kind of funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have um, so we have a drop kick by Steve Blackman. He takes Perry off his feet. Really great karate karate man- maneuvers by uh, Steve Blackman. Um, he basically, like, you know, he takes Perry off his feet. Tags to the ladies. Terry bounces Trish off the ropes. Throws Trish by the hair. A bulldog to Terry, which was really boxed. Like, Trish does not get a hold of Terry's uh head here it looks like she slips you know and uh terry just has to fall down with her to make it look good so really bad botch by uh trish here um yeah terry, yeah go ahead no she, yeah i'm with you you could tell trish is not very smooth yet um and i didn't think blackman and saturn really on the top of their game either that's from Rudy, but go ahead no yeah um terry jumps on blackman only to get spanked by him a spear by Trish, and that leads to a cat fight on the outside between the two ladies. And here's where we get our first um, WCW invader. WCW's Lance Storm uh, super kicks Perry Saturn, and Steve Blackman gets the cover. I liked how I, I liked how uh, Lance Storm just comes out of the crowd and he just gives like a really huge super kick to. Landstorm. I mean, to um, Perry Saturn here, you know, like I'm, uh, I'm the uh, man who's uh, bleeding, like he was invading first, you know, and uh, the super kick was awesome here. Uh, for the match, I went a star and a half. Not really, not bad, but not good at all either. So, uh, star and a half. Uh, it helps it with like the Landstorm. Uh, helps with the Landstorm thing here too. Yeah, that's pretty much what the purpose was. And I think, honestly, just to get Trish and Terry out there, because to have the fans see them. Yeah, match. No, definitely no Matt Classic. I want to start a half like you, Grooney. Um, you know, like I, like I said, there was like a weird spot uh, before the uppercut by Steve Blackman. I don't know. They just all seemed out of sorts. It's kind of like they were just uh, screwing around until um, until Lance Storm came out. But yeah, the first taste of the invasion covered up with uh Lance Storm coming out here. So um do you think it was strange that they they had Storm come out in his gear? They didn't try and do like the uh like the classic NWO stuff. It's so hard not to compare it to NWO. And, and I don't think it matters that much, but they did have like Storm in his gear. And it also didn't seem I found like on commentary, they didn't seem all that concerned about it. Like they're like, oh my goodness, Lance Storm must be Shane. And then they just were like, oh no big deal. Like, you know, they didn't seem very panicked about it. Yeah, no, but you think even Paul was like with his gear on too, you know, like 
but I think like as it comes in, it's like, oh, it's something big's happening, JR. You know, Paul really like is promoting it a little bit more, like, oh, something's something's happening, JR, you know. That's what was good about Paul Heyman's uh out like uh com- color commentating skills. Agreed. But yeah, it definitely it they didn't it happened, but it didn't seem like it didn't start to overtake the show. It was sort of just like a thing that happened there, like, wow, that was crazy, must be shaded, and then like kind of kept on rolling. Yeah. So now we have um so um when we come back from commercial break, uh Lance Storm and Shane McMahon are uh, leaving the building. <laughs> and then we go to Vince McMahon's office. He's yelling at the security guards because they allowed a WCW competitor to uh, enter on WWF territory, basically. So Vince McMahon threatens to fire uh, the, the security guards if they do, if they let anyone else from WCW uh, into a WWF show. Then Al Snow is at WWF New York to promote Tough Enough. Uh, do you have any uh, memories of watching Tough Enough? Like, were you into Tough Enough at all? I do remember watching it, especially when it first came out, because I was at the point where I just consumed all WWF content that I could. And yeah, I always remember being, I thought it was kind of cool. I mean, I was younger, but I like enjoyed it because I feel like, too, in those days, anything you could get that kind of showed you like the backstage workings of WWF. Like I just ate that shit up as a kid. Uh, By this point, I'd be like 11, 12 years old. So like anything where I could see what the, like how everything worked behind the scenes and like tough enough kind of gave you a glimpse of that. Cause it was kind of breaking kayfabe showing you how they train and everything. So I was definitely digging at this point. Yeah. Uh, I I enjoyed it as well, especially like you know, like the first three seasons. Actually, even the fourth season, like when uh, it's uh, the the Miz uh, and uh, Daniel Pewter. Um, I remember watching those too. Um, I really wanted to see what uh, Matt Capitelli could do in the ring, like when Tough Enough Three came out. Uh, Maven was a fine choice to win the first Tough Enough. You know, uh, you could have gone either one because Nowinski. For what he was worth, you know, he was a really great star as well. Like, you know, like he seemed like to really like understand the ropes and like really like train at it too. So, uh, you know, good on uh, Al Snow and uh, WWF or WWE for uh, com- coming up with this idea. Spike and Molly are backstage. Uh, they they hate that their families are uh, they hate that their families are fighting. Um. They kiss, and Kurt Angle interrupts, saying they shouldn't kiss because, you know, kissing will lead one thing to another, and they would make the two ugliest babies on the planet if they got together. (laughs) This is so goofy Kurt here. Yeah, he's awesome. I love it. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah, like, Spike is so awkward, too. Like, he's like, don't disrespect my girlfriend. And they just get his ass beat. 
Yeah, this is so cheesy. Like, even for <laughs> like just like the storyline themselves, like Molly, I like you. I like you too, Spike. And when we get into the ring, like with the Dudleys and the Hollies, you know, like it's even worse. Agree. <laughs> 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 so Spike slaps Kurt and uh, gets a beat down, leaving the Dudleys to come out. Because Molly go gets the Dudley boys as they're walking. The Hollies uh, crash and hardcore spot them. They beat them up. So basically, um, the Dudley boys get mad at Spike because they're like, well, why are you, uh, why are you uh, following? Why do you like her? You know, she got us set up. It's like, no, she was coming to get you guys. Guy got beat by Kurt Angle. Well, the Hollies beat us up. So what do you want us to do? So they threatened to put Molly through a table. Yeah, Spike gets a pretty good ass chewing by his brothers here. Yep. Now we have Big Show versus Chris Jericho for the hardcore title. Uh, baseball slide to Big Show. Big Show punches the chair into Jericho's face and throws him into the steps. So keep in mind also that the hardcore title is on the line. Also, Jericho's... Um, Shot at the WWF title is on the line, too. Jericho goes into the guardrail. A drop kick to the Big Show's knee. Big Show throws Jericho into the ch- into a chair. Big Show misses a leg drop. A lot of trash can lid shots to Big Show. Jericho drop kicks the steel steps into the Big Show. A lion salt by Jericho for the win. I gave this... Um, I gave this match up here uh, two and uh, two and three quarter stars. A really good showing here by Jericho as well, especially in this uh, hardcore title atmosphere too. Yeah, I thought Jericho was great in this match. Uh, he takes some killer bumps, like getting dropped on the barricade. He gets kind of lawn darted into the corner. That was a nasty spill. And I think, like he's so you forget how good he is at being a babyface because we've seen him, especially in his WWE. F stuff. He's a lot of times he's a heel. So I was always a big fan of him early in WCW when he first debuted as a babyface. And you kind of forget how good he is at like in the face role here, like just taking these insane bumps, like beating the odds. I liked how he used his craftiness, like like you said, kicking the chair into Big Show to get the win. Like he just has to survive the giant long enough, and then he finally uh, picks it up. But yeah, and I thought it was a lot more creative than you get with a lot of these hardcore matches. Like I thought Jericho did some cool spots to kind of stop it from just being, you know, one of these hardcore matches where they just kind of hit each other's with trash cans like 12 times and then that's the match. So, yeah, I dug it. I, I'm with you. I thought especially Jericho was the highlight for me. So I, w- I went two and a half. So I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Now we have Albert versus Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero tries to go on to the offense, but is immediately stopped by Albert. A backbreaker and a gorilla press to Eddie. Uh, Eddie tries to do a crossbody, but is caught into the ring post. Eddie counters a Eddie counters a uh, power power bomb. Lita comes out to distract Albert, which allows Eddie to get a roll up here. I went a star and a quarter here. Um, a little short end of the match, uh, you know, like Albert's strength. Uh, Lita coming out. Was uh, hokey pokey, so like a hokey pokey finish, you know. Again, then Eddie just gets a surprise roll up here, but 
Looks like, um, you know, uh, Eddie has, Lita has caught uh, Eddie's uh, mamacita eye. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I was like a star and a half. Not not that great. Uh, Albert just kind of tossed him around. And I, 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 I agree. The, the distraction spot was a little weak. I think even JR kind of questioned it. Like, uh, he was like, well, I guess it was a distraction. I don't know. Like, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, they kind of fucked that up a little bit. But, yeah, you know, not the most amazing thing. Usually Eddie's a guy who will, like, turn these kind of nothing matches to give you something a little bit out of it. But I guess maybe he he's not really hitting on all cylinders at this point, given that he's going to be out of the company soon. So, yeah, a little bit of a weak showing here. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Eddie does get a win here, though. So uh, it's like he's trying to, like, be on the good side and not get uh, fired here, you know, or, uh, you know, try and get like, the heat off of him. He thinks that there is heat. So JR and Paul are talking about the Hollies versus the Dudley's uh, tables matchup coming. And throughout the whole night, you know, JR has been saying to Paul, we're going to meet the Undertaker's wife. But Undertaker is not at this show. So what is JR really talking about when all of a sudden a video of Undertaker's wife appears and it's filmed outside her house and she's combing her hair? This is the Undertaker's wife, Sarah. She's combing her hair. Yes, with the distorted voice, the uh, the voice machine thing. Uh, I could see your wife take her. She's uh, I'm looking at you in your house. Yeah, call it yeah, the Great Value, Darth Vader, uh, Darth Vader uh, <laughs> <Yes>. voice machine. <laughs> uh, um, really creepy stuff here, huh, Jake? Yes, definitely. And uh, I think we all know how it plays out now, but I think at the time you would have been like, what the hell is it? Like, who is this? What is going on? Like, who stops a man's life? Who does this? Right. Yeah. No, but definitely intriguing. I mean, I mean, you want to know who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you know, it's like, who's doing this? You know, and uh, it gets even like a little bit. He gets more on uh, SmackDown, too. So uh, this whole. Uh, stalking uh thing is uh in effect as well backstage uh vince mcmahon has decided that he's going to give chris benoit the title shot and uh you know jericho's like oh chris you know you deserve it and as vince mcmahon goes now i'm gonna hold my word to it but i want to know where did you guys get that footage come on tell me where you got that footage that was a really yes. funny line there. He's like, where did you get that? I want to know right now. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, and it makes sense, especially knowing, you know, where they're going to go on SmackDown. I think this is the, the right move to let Benoit have the match. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so ben, Benoit versus Stone Cold in the main event tonight. Now we have the Dudleys versus the Hollies in a tables match. Uh, and you can see also here that the Dudleys are still injured as well from the um, from the um, from the TLC match, too. It's like everyone is just wearing casts. We'll see it on SmackDown, too, with uh, a couple other superstars, more superstars involved in that matchup here. Hollies go after the injured Dudleys. Hardcore tries to slam Devon into a table, but it's moved out of the way. 
Crash goes into the table that doesn't break. A what's up bomb to hardcore. A drop kick into a table by hardcore. Then basically just a 3D to hardcore Holly into the table for the win. I gave this matchup a um a star and a half. Jake, uh, it's it's short here, you know. The Dudley Boys get the win, and it's more of like what happens uh, afterwards too, you know. So a short match that leads into something else. Agree. It was just a backdrop for the the Molly thing, like uh, put Molly through Spike and Spike, you know, quote unquote, sacrificing himself. So that was really the whole point of the match. So I'm with you. I went, I went a star and a half on it. Um, it was a little goofy because it's like, is he really saving her? Because I can't imagine it hurts that much less because they just <laughs> drop her on him. So I don't know if he's really helping her that much, but I know what they were going for. It's kind of a to push the story along in the dissension between the Dudleys. Yeah, as you said, uh, you know, the Deadly Boys uh, want to put Molly through a table. Spike puts himself on the table and says, "Put me through it. Don't put her." So, what do you do? You put Bubba, you put Molly Holly into Spike into the table to make it look like that Molly Holly went through the table here. So, a really goofy angle here, like you said, uh, just to enhance this storyline. Um, and as uh, we come back from commercial break, um, basically, like, <laughs> he's like, Molly, Molly, <laughs> like, Spike is just screaming out for Molly. Is she okay? And Molly's doing the same thing. Is Spike okay? Like, these are terrible actors and actresses. Yeah, like, doing a like, I get what they're going thing. for. They're kind of going for this, like, misfit romance thing. So I kind of get yeah. it, like. I could see where they're going. It could be charming, but I think it falls a little flat. It just comes off as a little awkward. Like you don't really feel the sympathy that I think they want you to feel for them. Yeah. And so like, uh, just a bad, uh, just a bad, um, like just like a bad little romance here. Like, you know, a high school re rejected high school, uh, movie team film here. Bad romance <laughs> as Lady Gaga would say. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have a recap of Triple H tearing his quadriceps on the May 20th Monday Night Raw episode. He's having his knee looked at by Dr. Andrews. It is a huge tear that Dr. Andrews uh, said. Um, And he really wonders how Triple H uh, finished the match. It is amazing how he did because you see that Walls of Jericho on him and that's gotta hurt like after he tears it too like how do you yeah. do that yeah especially on the announce table at like an awkward angle yeah i mean kudos to him i mean it does look painful and this is like super detailed like this was like a 10 minute like breakdown of all the like him at the doctor so show the surgery the doctor talking about the surgery triple h talking about it stephanie like crying as she watches the surgery like they were going all in on showing you what like a quick like hey sorry here you go it was like detailed like you could see them already trying to sow the seeds of like trying to make him kind of sympathetic like already playing that out but i thought it was i thought it was actually pretty interesting though for as long as it was i was kind of interested in just seeing you know them going through all of it it was kind of fascinating yeah so like you know they do like the whole operation thing and you know they're really playing off that you know stephanie and uh uh, Triple H are still like the on-screen uh, couple here. Like, oh, I'm gonna be by your side when you get the surgery and stuff. You know, 
Uh, so a little like foreshadowing basically as well, because like, you know, off the record, they were a couple at the time. Um, but like, it doesn't seem like Steph was in character at all. You know, she was like being like herself, you know, like, oh, this is my boyfriend, really, you know, and like, just be mm-hmm. careful with him. Um, right. Yeah. So um, Triple H is going to be out for like six months. We know that really is like eight month absence as well. You know, like, so what he thought was like, he thought he was coming back in like maybe like October, like early November. And like, it turns out like just hold them off until January, you know, like let's get this done. And we have the game return here. Mm-hmm. So now we have Stone Cold versus Chris Benoit for the WWF title in our main event. I found it really funny. Like, I think this was a rib on Hebner. Vince McMahon probably told Howard, Howard, you got to introduce Earl Hebner as the referee. When he does, Earl's like, Howard, what the hell are you doing? Why are you introducing me? Man, I don't want to be introduced. Because (laughs) everyone remembers Montreal in 1997. So I think Howard played a rib on Earl Hebner here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> As he gets booed. Stone Cold goes for the injured ribs. Austin, uh, what I noticed about this, Austin has gold knee pads. I noticed that too. Yeah, the knee brace things were gold. I guess that was kind of just a little thing to go along with his heel character. You know, like... I guess that he's a little more in with Vince and the corporate side now, maybe. That's how I took it. Yeah, but I thought it was cool. Those are like gold knee pads. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So chops to Austin by Benoit. A cross face on Austin, but he gets to the ropes. Austin goes head, Austin goes head first into the table. Benoit goes into the steps. A sharpshooter in a sharpshooter on Austin in the middle of the ring gets to the ropes again. Austin slams Benoit Benoit's ribs into the guardrail and onto the table. So they are really playing off that Benoit's hurt from the TLC. It's really a nice touch of like showing the weakness on what uh, can go from like what Austin can do to take out Benoit here. Mm-hmm. German suplexes to Austin. Austin tries to cover Benoit after a stunner, but Vince McMahon distracts the ref while um while Austin um while Austin has the cover because he thinks Benoit is the one with the uh with the uh pin, but it's Austin as the ref is distracted. Benoit hits Austin with the title, covers him for a two count. Benoit gets the cross face, but Austin gets the ropes again. Stone Cold then applies the crossface to Benoit, and Vince McMahon rings the bell, declaring that Stone Cold is the winner by submission. I went three stars on this matchup. Really great effort by Chris Benoit, especially after getting all those like submissions. You thought that he was going to get Austin like not even close to the ropes and uh, make him uh, make him tap. But every time that uh, the plot of the locks were applied to Austin, he always found a way to get to the rope or Vince McMahon would uh, distract the referee. Um, but a really great effort here. I went three stars on this match, Jake. It was a really great match. 
Yeah, I enjoyed it too. Uh, I liked how Austin, like Keel Austin here, is so like deliberate. Like he kind of reminded me of like a like a Brett or a Flair, like how methodical he was working over the, uh, like you say, going after the ribs and just picking Benoit apart. The brawling on the outside was real awesome, sloppy, like in a good way, just like throwing each other around. Every move I felt in this match like felt like impactful, like it really did. Like it felt like it meant something. Like they weren't just doing moves. Like they sold everything fantastically, and um, yeah, just a great physical matchup. Like uh, Austin is just so good. He's so relentless. Like he never stops. Like he never stops to really go at the crowd or anything. He's just trying to decimate Benoit. And I thought, you know, Benoit held his own. Like you mentioned earlier. Like as a a guy who maybe hasn't been put in this spot yet. I think he he didn't look out of place. Like he held his own. And uh, and looked awesome in it too. So the finish was a little goofy. They just can't help themselves sometimes. Like they they gotta do, like in Canada they have to do the fucking screw job stuff every single time, no matter what. But I did like that it leaves the door open to kind of come back to it, as we'll see on uh, SmackDown. But I went three and a half. Um, yeah, an awesome main event for Raw. Yeah, um, it really was. But we're not done yet. As um, Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold are breaking, are beating down Chris Benoit after this match, Chris Jericho comes out, and uh, Jericho and Benoit beat down on Austin and McMahon. Uh, Chris Benoit has Mr. McMahon locked in the crossface, and the walls of Jericho is applied to Austin as they're both tapping out here. And that's how we end the show with Benoit and Jericho standing tall against Stone Cold and Mr. McMahon. A really great ending. Uh, you know, I think like I said, the, mm-hmm. uh, the fans home uh, happy here. Yep. Perfect way to end it for the Canadian fans. Uh, after Benoit gets screwed, uh, like you said, send them home happy seeing the two heels get uh, locked into submissions. Agree. Before we jump to SmackDown, um, Jake, let me just ask, do you think it, Lance Storm was the right guy to start the invasion? Yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it all depends on where you go with it. Like, I think, so obviously, like, Lance Storm is not, you know, he's not this megastar or something. But I think presented in the right way, you could probably elevate him. Um, I it's hard to say because I know they didn't, they had a little bit, they were limited in their options, right? Like you mentioned earlier, it's not like they had the the cream of the crop WCW guys to choose from. Um, some would argue like the the perfect invaders have been here for a year already. Uh, like the guy we just saw, like Benoit and Eddie and all, like those are kind of like would have been the guys maybe you wanted to invade, but they're already been in WWF for a little while at this point. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, do I think... Storm is the the best choice, probably not, but I don't know how many options they really had, and I think you could elevate them if you presented them in the right way. What do you, what do you think, Rooney? I think there's no right or wrong answer. You could have taken like the star that you did, like you like one of the stars that you had and invaded that, like you know, had like a bigger star invade, like for what, for who, or what you had, you know, but. If you want to just introduce, like, you know, like, make a little bit of noise, then Lance Storm is your guy. He's small. He's not enough to, like, get the crowd screaming, like, oh, man, WCW invaded. But it's like your mm-hmm. head turned. It's like, hey, you might want to uh, check this out here, you know. Uh, WCW guys are starting to show up, you know. Who's going to come next? So I think it was more of the head nod, like, okay, 
let's turn to the left here and see what happens now, you know? Right, I agree. Because it, it's obvious they're not trying to, you know, with the stuff they are going with Austin, they're try, not trying to make this WCW invasion immediately like the biggest thing happening. Yeah, no, I think it's the right, I feel like it's the right small step, you know, like introduce some of the, mm-hmm. uh, not lesser talent, but like, you know, like the yeah. lower mid, the mid card guys, like the lower mid card guys, you know, like who were uh, on, uh, you know, like kicking off Nitro or, uh, you know, uh, in the, like the third or fourth match, you know, before like the huge two, three main event matches on Nitro as well. Agree. So, Jake, on this, on that note, we are going to go to WWF SmackDown on May 31st. We're still in uh, Canada as we are in Edmonton, Alberta, Chris Benoit's hometown. Chris Jericho and Chris Benoit both come to the ring. They say they both enjoyed kicking Mr. McMahon and Stone Cold's asses. Uh, they offer a challenge to Stone Cold and Mr. McMahon. They say that they will put the tag team titles on the line if Stone Cold and Mr. McMahon form a tag team, just so that Benoit and Jericho can kick both their asses, you know, because they're confident they can retain against Stone Cold and Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon comes out and uh, he says that is not going to happen. Um, Chris Benoit goes over the history of, uh, you know, um, could the uh, Oilers, uh, Edmonton Oilers winning the Stanley Cup. Um, I forget what else he said. I knew he said something about Wayne Gretzky and uh, Mario. Um, I forget what his name was. I'm sorry. Mario like, Lemieux. Yeah, yeah. Mario yeah. Lemieux. Um, uh-huh. So he says that... Um, Mr. Mr. May comes out and says, while I would like to, you know, take the tag titles away from you, that is not going to happen tonight. I gave Stone Cold Steve Austin the night out, the the night off. Well, after uh, Benoit demands a rematch, you know, and uh, he puts Chris Jericho in a match against Kurt Angle as well. But Stone Cold defies Mr. McMahon and comes out to the ring. And surprisingly, Jake, he gives Benoit a rematch here. So they are really shining their light on Chris Benoit a little bit here, saying, let's see what you got. Can you be that next guy to maybe get over the hump and be featured in main event spots, spot matches? You know, can you get away from the intercontinental belt and uh, make your way towards the heavyweight championship belt here? What do you think of this, Jake? Yeah, I agree. Um, continue what they did on Raw, and I'm sure being in Canada helps. But yeah, definitely a big spot for these two guys. And um, it it was a little strange to me seeing Benoit as like the uh, like even at, you know when he's been a face, this is not really the kind of baby face he's been like out there doing the like you know getting the cheap pops, like talking about the you know the home sports teams and all that kind of stuff. So that was a little or odd. Even like even smiling. as a ba- yeah, 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 like. It, yeah, and him doing like a long opening show promo was strange. Like even as a face, he's normally just seen as kind of a a more 
like I don't know how you would say it. like not that kind of baby face. That was a little odd. I don't know if it really plays to his strengths that much, but again, they're in his hometown, so they're kind of milking it for for what it is. I like Vince immediately shitting on the idea of the tag match, like just completely like non-starter was kind of funny. And yeah, I love the I love Austin here. I think this heel character is so good. Like he's so paranoid, like that uh, like that Vince doesn't believe in him. Like he's constantly just trying to validate himself, like always and just all these little things, like the way he speaks is a little more formal or like you could tell he's trying to be more formal, like he's a bigger deal now, like speaking a little more proper. All the reassuring of himself is so good. He buries the hockey stuff, which is really funny. Like, I don't give a shit about hockey um, was was awesome. So it's a good kind of tension too between him and Vince that they're kind of together. But it's almost like Vince is not sure if he can kind of. Like, because the whole point of this is like, okay, he got, you know, he helped Stone Cold win the title, but now it's like, can he control this, like, insane man kind of thing? Yeah, um, but very good stuff here by uh, Stone Cold, like the promo. I am a champion of champions. I am the World Wrestling Federation champion. I will defend my title each night yeah, in yeah. and not out. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, so him just like mm-hmm. saying like I, I feel like he's sounding desperate, but he's like, you know what? I am the champion. I will beat your ass, you know. So I like, don't think you can beat me because I will kick your stop a mud hole in your ass. So now we have Kane versus Edge. The Intercontinental Title is on the line here. You see here also that Edge is also uh, still hurt from the uh, TLC match. Um, Last Thursday, last Thursday, and he, they say that Christian got the worst of the uh, worst of it uh, between like you know all the contenders. You know Christian's going to be out for like a little bit. Like he'll he'll return, I think, like the next Monday, but uh, he needs some more time to heal as well. A big boot and a backdrop to Edge, clothesline by Kane, a missile drop kick by missile drop kick to Kane by Edge. A sidewalk slam to Edge, a spear by Edge for a two count, and then out of nowhere, really a power bomb by Kane for the win. Nice little retaining title moment here, you know, like trying to get uh, Edge also to that spot. But this matchup was really, really short. I would say I would go um, a star in three quarters here. Here, like you know, you're seeing like mm-hmm. Kane just be this monster, you know, but uh, Edge really doesn't get a whole lot of offense in as well. Yeah, it was a I'm with you, it's a pretty standard kind of uh TV, like a title defense on a TV show. It's just a quick little match they kind of go through. No, wasn't really any great spots I thought in here, just it was slow and clunky at times, but it, it was fine. Like this, Kane got his shit in and won the match. and you know, uh, they kind of played up the edge as injured stuff, but it really didn't play much of a factor in the match. Like, it wasn't like Kane was working over anything particular. So I kind of just went a good old-fashioned two on it, just kind of a, a standard TV TV match here. Not a whole lot more going on. Yeah. Backstage, the Dudley boys keep Spike behind. Uh, they are leaving uh, Spike behind because they don't want him interfering in their business with the Hollies. We have Bubba Ray versus Hardcore Holly uh, coming up next. A backdrop by Bubba. Bubba goes, um, you hit the Bubba Bomb to Hardcore. Crash goes into the steel post. Hardcore misses a dive. 
Bubba lands on uh, on hardcore for a two count. Bubba tries to slam hardcore back into the ring, but Crash trips Bubba and holds on to his feet so hardcore can get the pin. A little uh, hokey pokey finish there, but a little mm-hmm. bit interesting, like how the Hollies pulled it off. That oh, it's cool. Crash trips uh, trips Bubba, and uh, you know he holds on to Bubba's feet so Bubba can't kick out. So the Hollies pick up the win. I went a two. I went a two stars mm-hmm. on this match. Uh, you know, like it's a match, but uh, it was kind of fun and interesting. You know, Bubba getting in some shots, hardcore getting in some shots here. You know. A small good match, but uh, a really good surprise ending where, like, you know, Bubba gets his feet held down. Yeah, like, I thought it was a bit odd to do this after the tables match. It's a little weird because it seems a bit flat after you just saw them do the, you know, with more of the hardcore style. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of like each team just kind of had their shine segment, and then we just went to the finish with the, the cheating. I did think it was cool that even if I don't think the spike angle is the greatest thing ever, I did like that they put over, like they kind of cost themselves by telling spike not to help them because if spike would have been there, he might've been able to prevent, you know, if he's supporting them on the outside, maybe he could stop the, the Hollies from fullness in the finish. So I did like that. They kind of showed that, you know, kind of pushing that, you know, maybe they're screwing themselves by ostracizing spike. So I thought that was a good little touch to this, but I, I'm with you. I wouldn't like two on it. Oh, that's a good point, Jake. I didn't realize that like that actually cost them that uh, Spike was in the back. You know, um, I just thought they were doing it because they thought that oh maybe Spike would be the one to cost them because he likes Molly. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my take on it. Right. Yeah, I just thought it was another little angle to to turn on this. Like like maybe they do need Spike and they need to let up on him. Yep. William Regal is backstage and tells Mister McMahon that. Shane McMahon's limo is driving around the parking lot. It's the WCW one uh, limo, like WCW, and the number one on the license plate. We all know WCW didn't win. <laughs> um, so then, um, then we have um, Coach and Spike backstage. A recap of Molly going through the table. Uh, Spike says Molly is at home, and Spike tells Molly that. He really likes her. So we're still continuing this Molly Holly and Spike Dudley, uh, you know, uh, romance here. So, so cheesy. Yeah. Like, I think that, again, I think they think it's like endearing or like we're going to feel for Spike, but it just comes off as like kind of awkward. Yeah. (laughs) Now we have, um, now we have a recap of the video of Undertaker's wife again, like creepiness and, uh, Someone is stalking the Undertaker's wife. Kurt Angle is backstage. Say they will rename Kretzky Boulevard to Angle Boulevard after he wins his match against Chris Jericho tonight. He also dares Shane McMahon to interfere in his match. So he's basically like giving Shane McMahon a free pass to uh, come out and uh, fight. Okay. I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, oh, um, they're going to rename, rename it to Angle Boulevard here. Yeah, I liked his uh, Ben Johnson shade, too. Like uh, the the line about, uh, you know, the people in Canada are not used to real gold medalists because all they have is Ben Johnson, who's a cheater. <laughs> so I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that, too. He got like <laughs> stripped his third place medal, um, you know, for uh, real, like, substance abuse. Yeah, it was like substance uh, issues. Right, so. 
Just good dickhead angle stuff. Yeah. So now we have Chris Jericho versus Kurt Angle. A fireman's carried by Kurt, arm dragged by Jericho. Angle goes into the steel post. Chris Jericho misses the missile dropkick. A German suplex countered by Jericho for a two count. The walls of Jericho to Kurt Angle. The um, Jericho misses the lion salt into an ankle lock. And then Shane McMahon comes out to, to interfere, but he gets dragged out by security. And all of a sudden, Spike Dudley comes in while the ref is dealing with Shane McMahon's security. Spike Dudley comes in and gives Kurt Angle the Dudley dog, and Chris Jericho covers him for a three count. I went three stars on this match. I, I enjoyed it, you know, especially like the, the ending where it's like, oh, Shane McMahon, uh, you know, is trying to interfere again and, um, you know, uh, getting dragged out by security. But Spike getting his revenge and causing angle the match was like probably the best part. You know, it's like, wait a second, Spike Dudley's here and he just Dudley dogs uh, Kurt Angle and Jericho gets the win. What did you think, Jake? Yeah, I dug this match. I went two and three quarter. Uh, these guys obviously have some good chemistry. Um, again, I just I love Jericho as a face here. Like he's he has so much fire. He comes out with all this offense. He has all these cool ways of like working it in. And I kind of like um, I like that. Um, like basically, you almost feel like Jericho should be winning, but Angle keeps countering everything that he has to throw at him. So just a good dynamic between those two. Uh, and I, I thought it was interesting to have. Kurt like have the issue, um, you know, going after Shane and everything because it kind of throws like Kurt's a heel, then you get the WCW guys, it's kind of throws this chaos in. Now, we'll ask you, Grony, as the, we go through this invasion thing, were you surprised that it was Spike here that makes a run in? Like, the like it almost seems like you would have Storm, or maybe this would be a chance to introduce somebody else as part of the invasion thing, or just reinforce the the storm stuff from raw were you surprised that it was it seemed kind of random that was spike or am i I missing something um well like you know i think it's just payback from that beatdown that uh spike got from angle on raw but i see where your point is though is that like oh you could have had maybe like another uh wcw star uh come in and uh kick uh kurt angles uh butt too like because Vince man is like i can't have another wcw guy come in like on raw with lance storm you know mm-hmm. or you could have had lance storm just do it again and Vince be like what is going on you know like well how are they getting right, it just seems buildings? like right if you're gonna have shane there anyway it seems like you would kind of tie it into that but yeah i don't know just it wasn't like that but it's not like i was I thought it was horrible. I was just kind of surprised. Like you see Shane at this point, and I guess you're thinking like, well, it's going to be Storm or somebody else now since they're kind of getting this in motion. So, yep. And then we have, um, so then backstage we have um, Kurt Angle barges into Regal's office. He challenges Shane McMahon to a match at King of the Ring, and he beats up to Jerry and tells him to stop bowing. So um yeah, so he basically just like is so angry, he challenges Kurt Angle, challenges Shane McMahon to a match, and he just beats the crap out of Tajiri here. Funny thing though, <laughs> like Tajiri and the bowing. Yeah, I, I enjoyed too that like Regal doesn't even really try and help him. He just go, he just like throws his hands like, hey, that's my house boy. 
Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> so now we have Raven versus Rhino for the hardcore title. Uh, you know, they've uh, they're continuing their feud. Like, you know, like Raven's been in now the hardcore title, you know, with uh Rhino here and there, like uh, you know, throughout the uh, months. Clothesline by Raven, trash can shots to Rhino. Rhino covers Raven, but get hits Rhino tries to cover Raven, but he gets hit by a uh trash trash lid. Rhino goes for a gory, but he like goes right into the trash can as well. So like he gores it and he just gets stuck in the trash can and hits it. A slingshot, um, uh, oh, like a kitchen sink shot to uh, Rhino. Rhino slams Raven into the table, and uh, that's how he gets the win. Uh, I went two and a half here. Um, you know, a good little hard, nice little hardcore spot match. Uh, you know, especially like bringing in the kitchen sink. Yeah, I went, I went two on it. I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, you kind of knew something was up whenever he set up the trash can for like, he's just, instead of putting it sideways, he puts it with the opening sticking out. So you're like, all right, well, obviously that's going to lead to something. And, but it was a cool spot. I enjoyed the kitchen sink. It was a lot, a little stiffer than you expect from some of these. I mean, these guys obviously have the ECW pedigree, so they kind of know how to do this style. And so I thought it was fun for that. Like they, again, I always like anytime they could just move past the, as long as it's better than just two guys, just kind of lazily hitting each other with weapons and they just work in some spots. I'm cool with these hardcore matches. So I went to perfectly fine. Good match for, uh, again, just, and uh, always like a good, just uh, title defense for our champion. So a good little TV title defense for uh, Rhino here. Yeah. Backstage, uh, Mr. McMahon asked Stone Cold to reconsider uh, putting the title on the line. And this is where the Austin paranoia starts. Like nobody, uh, has confidence that he can beat Chris Benoit here tonight. Um, and like, and even like, he's like, even Deborah doesn't have confidence in me, you know, like what's up? Like, why don't you think like I can win Vince, you know? And like Vince <laughs> is really concerned for his champion and Stone Cold's like, you think I'm afraid you think I'm going to lose. And, like, I love the Deborah stuff too. Cause he's so like, she's like, I, she's looking at him. Like I literally have said nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, He's obviously like an insane person. It's so good. Like, like at least Vince has actually said something that make it seem like he's concerned. And then all of a sudden he just turns on Deborah's like, hey, look at you or your striped shirt. You don't think I can do it either. <laughs> and she's like, huh? Like, what? Right. Um, so then we go with go to Stephanie McMahon. Uh, she's like at like the, I don't know if she's at the, I think she's at like the hospital, you know, like they're playing off. Like she's waiting for triple H mm-hmm. to come out of, uh, surgery, I think. And she mm-hmm. is really like mad that, uh, Stone Cold said the reason that they lost because triple H is selfish, you know, and she's like upset. And because like, you know, triple H continued that match, like with a torn quadriceps, and, uh, you know, like Stone Cold's up fine and healthy, like, and he's the WWE champion. And so Stephanie Man says that there'll be vengeance on Stone Cold when Triple H comes back. This really doesn't lead to anything because mm-hmm. Stephanie McMahon is really not on TV until July, basically. So 
I guess a little foreshadow, like for when the game does return. But um, you know, like the two man power trip is over, and uh, Stephanie right. Van like hates Stone Cold again. Yeah, it almost makes you wonder if they just wanted to sow the seed just in case when Triple H got back that they wanted him to go back to feuding with Austin, kind of going back to early 01. But um, I think probably like you mentioned earlier, I think the injury ends up taking – like they may be thinking if he's back in a few months, like like you said, like September, October or something, four or five months. But by, I think by the, it takes a little longer. By the time he gets back, the, this ship has kind of sailed. But I get what they're doing. It doesn't hurt. I mean, it always leaves them the option if they want to roll with this when Triple H returns. Yep. So now we have, again, the heart. Like, so it's a six-man tag team matchup this time. Hardy Boys and Eddie Guerrero versus X-Factor. Roll up for a two by Matt. A uh, blind tag by Eddie, so like, he basically like blinds up, blinded like my Hardy by like tagging him, um, and then um, uh, like baseball slides by Justin, double team moves to Eddie, the tilt a tilt a world backbreaker to X Pac, Jeff gets slammed into the guardrail by Albert, Albert um. And then, like, Albert gets, like, uh, th- like, throws him into, like, the post, too. A tornado DDT by Matt. Eddie gets tossed out by Albert. Matt, go- Matt goes up to the top rope, but is distracted when Lita is seen um, holding, like, Eddie, like, making sure that Eddie is okay. And then um, Eddie goes up, uh, and then Albert uh, picks, up, um, picks up Matt Hardy for the Baldo Baldo bomb and uh, he gets the win. Uh, I gave this match up two stars, uh, two stars. It was a good match, uh, you know, like trying to really um, like keep this feud going, um, you know, like the Hardy Boys and Eddie Guerrero versus X Factor. Really good showing by Albert here, uh, you know, picking up the win for X Factor. I think they were really trying to plant the seed of like maybe a European title match down the line for, um, you know, Matt Hardy versus Eddie Guerrero that Eddie could like, you know, turn Lita against all Hardy boys and uh, have her become his new mamacita. Right. Yeah, it was, it was kind of just a reason to get all these guys on the show for a few minutes. Like it was just a, you know, well, the six man, especially, I don't think they got enough time to really build a whole lot to get a whole lot of stuff in, but they all kind of got a second to shine. The Hardys are super over. So I see why they want to get them on TV. And like you said, just to keep this in everyone's mind, it's it's interesting for me to go back as somebody who's doing the, the podcast on the, the ruthless aggression and the brand split stuff where the two shows have different guys. It's, it's interesting to go back to this era of SmackDown where they're kind of you're seeing the same guys and you kind of just run them out for it. Like SmackDown is almost just kind of kind of rolls with whatever Raw's doing. Like we saw a little bit of this on Raw. So they want to follow it up with the, something similar on SmackDown, maybe in case you didn't see Raw or something like that. So um, you kind of get in that. So it just kind of pushes along what we saw on Raw. But I'm with you. I went two and a quarter, same ballpark on this. Just kind of a solid match, but nothing really spectacular, nothing too memorable. Yep. So then, uh, you know, as Taz and as Michael Cole and Taz are uh, talking about tonight's main event, another video of Sarah appears. But this time, The Undertaker is with her and um, 
they're writing ATV, so it's like, this is the Undertaker's wife, Sarah. But now the Undertaker is with Sarah. They're having fun. They're going <laughs> out for a ride. Right. So very good hiding to not be seen. To not be seen yeah. like, out the open, open like that. Yeah. You know, uh, very good uh, hiding spots, too. Like maybe he was hiding the hay barrel or something on the farm. <laughs> <laughs> ghillie suit, ghillie suit on. Yeah. So our our main event is from Monday Night Raw. It's the same on this one. It is Chris Benoit versus Stone Cold. However, this time, well, the WWF title is still on the line, but Vince McMahon is now the special enforcer. So to add leverage to Benoit trying to get the title, he has to go through uh, Vince McMahon enforcing the match as well. Um, let's see. Uh, Benoit Benoit goes after after Austin, stomps Austin in the corner, a swinging neckbreaker by Austin. Benoit gets the crossface on, but Austin gets the ropes. Benoit is beating beating up Austin on the outside. Uh, Benoit pushes pushes uh, Austin into the into the um, hold on, say into the. Um, into the referee. DDT onto the title by Benoit. A diving headbutt into the title. A diving headbutt into the title from Austin. Like, so Austin moves out of the way, and then Benoit eats the title belt. Benoit kicks out. Benoit kicks out. Austin applies the sharpshooter, but it's reversed. And then Austin puts Benoit back into the sharpshooter. It is reversed again. Austin gets the ropes this time, though. A low blow by Austin. A superplex by Benoit. Austin slams uh, Benoit's ribs into the table. Slams Benoit into the steps as well. Benoit tries to counter, but Austin hits a spine buster. Austin applies the Boston Crab, but Benoit... Uh, gets the ropes. German suplexes to Austin. Austin shoves Ben. Um, oh yeah, Benoit shoves Austin into Mr. McMahon. Benoit hits McMahon with a chair, but then Austin gets the cover on Benoit with the tights. So Austin covers Benoit, grabs the tights, and uh, gets the pin here. I went three and a half stars on this. A really good. So another really good solid matchup here. I went up just above what I went on Monday Night Raw because, like, you know, just like Benoit giving up all of his energy, getting hit in the ribs so many times, the back and forth with the sharpshooter, and like, you know, every time all every time Benoit applies a submission move, Benoit gets Austin gets the ropes. So um just a really great matchup here. And again, you know, like Benoit looks like he was like so desperately tired, you know, after like getting her like in the ribs. So three and a half for me. Yeah, this rule. It was a great follow-up to the raw match. And like like you said, kind of stepped it up a little bit. The physicality still there. I like how they kind of like flipped it from the last one. You almost think, okay, so Benoit's so weak and like Austin's going to immediately go after him, but it's actually Benoit who gets the early. Like you could tell he's kind of fired up by the home crowd and he gets the early advantage, like dominating. 
And uh, he even gets a crossface. Right? I love the way they work the submissions in, in the middle of the match and kind of jockey for position. The stuff on the outside. Benoit took a brutal bump on the announce table. Like like I said, everything in this match just looked legit. It was stiff as fuck. Um, like, uh, And I, I like the stuff with Vince, too, because he's – I like that he wasn't the ref, which I think was a good call by them. Like, he's out there, and he's a factor, but he's not the ref, which was good. You could tell the whole time he's, like, on edge because he doesn't really know what to do because, like, he doesn't want to interfere too much because, you know, then he's, he's like, worried, am I going to piss Austin off because he's already – you know, angry that I, he thinks that I can't do this. So he's on edge the whole time. Like, do I help? Do I not help? So that was kind of good and add some drama. The selling from Austin was great. He really made you believe that Benoit had a shot of pulling this out. Like, I think in the end of the match, when Benoit's hitting those Germans, like, you're thinking, like, could they pull the trigger here and just do, even if not long-term, do they just do this for, like, the hometown pop and maybe Austin wins it back the next week or something? Who knows? But, you know, like, they at least they did a good job of making you believe it was possible between how fired up Benoit was and how Austin was selling. I thought they sold that spectacularly. And like you said, I just thought both guys looked completely exhausted by the end. Benoit was spit and he kind of lets his emotions get the best of him a bit and like starts worrying about Vince and Vince takes a, a beating with the chair. Like uh, Benoit wears him out with the chair, just crushes him like five times with the chair but that ends up costing him. Like you said, I just thought both guys really look spent by the end. It's just an awesome two-match series. Like, if you haven't watched this in a while, anybody who's listening, like, definitely go back and watch these two matches back-to-back. I think they go together really well. But I'm with you. I stepped it up from what I gave the Raw match. I ended up going four stars on it. This is, um, yeah, this whole week between these two guys, it's, it's such a cool matchup, too. Like, it's not one that I think is maybe one you always would think of. You know, like, I think it is this whole series is these matches are remembered, but it is just kind of an interesting matchup. It's not maybe the first thing you think of as like Austin opponents has been lost. So, yeah, just awesome stuff to close the show out here. And the, and the crowd, you know, you get the huge heel heat for these two. And uh, yeah, and going back to what you said from the beginning, I think between these two shows, it's definitely elevated Benoit up to this. Like he does not look like he's out of place. No, he does not. Well, Jake, that's going to wrap it up for um, our uh, shows here, um, you know, but um, a really good showing and like a good little like. I would say it's a good it's an OK start to um, the WCW invasion. Not really like, oh, my God, it's a big bang, you know, but just a little like head nod like, oh, this guy's not on WWF. Like he's not a WF superstar. Like, Oh, here comes a W like this WCW guys, you know, like I thought they went out of business, you know, and I thought they were no more. And so, um, I think maybe like it got people like calling up and being like, Hey, um, you should watch Monday night raw, you know, uh, WCW stars, I think are starting to, uh, like interfere. And, uh, I think something big's going to happen. So, um, it was a good start, you know, like, and uh, really a, the main focus is basically on Chris Benoit and Stone Cold, you know, even Jericho is still in the mix as well. So uh, a mm-hmm. good little uh, start to uh, this invasion uh, here and uh, more to come. Yeah, I thought it was a decent one, too, because, again, it's not like they're they don't have anything going on and they're desperate for a big angle. Like, you know, you have Austin as a heel. He's killing it. 
you have Jericho and Benoit being elevated. You got some good stuff on the undercard. Like, it's not like they're desperate for something. So I think it makes sense to not immediately let it take over the show. So, yeah, I'm with you. Just a little sprinkle, just to, to light the fuse. Yeah. Well, Jake, before we get out of here, uh, do you have anything that you want to uh, plug and uh, lead the people of the nation, uh, place to be nation to? Yeah. So, of course, on the North-South Connection, you mentioned when I do the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast, pretty much following, uh, doing the era that follows this one, the uh, Ruthless Aggression era. Just did um, uh, WrestleMania 19. So some would say that's kind of capping off the Attitude Era. So got that going on here in the Place to Be Nation Wrestling feed. I do YouTube Roulette with the guys, and we do a watch for a few random matches and kind of live watch them and you know run our mouths during that. Do Highway to the Impact Zone, going through a DNA in the Impact Era. We're into a 2006 at this point, and uh, yeah, this and of course PTB NXT is always coming out. Uh, we try and get that out about every month. So. Me, uh, Jenny, and Tim still have that going. So plenty of things if you would like to hear me talk about wrestling. Yeah, a lot of uh, places, a lot of uh, wrestling content in the place to be. And, uh, you know, like on the pop feed and the Jenny position, you know, everything is uh, coming together and smooth sailing on the uh, place to be net place to be wrestling networks. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to like all the new content that is coming out as well. As for me, uh, by the time this drops, um, I was the most recent guest on You Heard About Pluto on the Jenny position over on the North-South Connection. We did uh, we watched two episodes of Legends of the Hidden Temple from Nickelodeon. I introduced Jenny to that show. Yeah. And um, we we were basically uh, tooling on the uh tooling on the kids you know like who are like you know really trying to be athletic and like you know like do all these like challenges and like they're really confused uh during the temple runs and i also gave jenny a crash course in uh nickelodeon game show history too uh because she's not really <laughs> familiar with uh, nickelodeon product as well so uh, i gave her a crash course and also uh a new episode of extreme resurrection uh just dropped where me and Steve Riddle, we go through ECW on sci-fi from 2006 and 2010. We're right on the road to WrestleMania 23, where the Battle of the Billionaires is taking place. Uh, Bobby Lashley is representing Donald Trump, and Umaga is representing Vince McMahon. And also the ECW originals, uh, Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, Rob Van Dam, and Sabu are taking on the new breed, Elijah Burke, Matt Stryker, Marcus Corvon, and Kevin Thorne in an ECW WrestleMania 23 tag team matchup. So, you know, those matches are, uh, those uh, shows are uh, getting better uh, as we're moving along to WrestleMania 23. And also you can find me on uh, Twitter at Grooney316, G-R-U-N-E-Y 316. Well, that's going to do it here from the nation from the nation invasion, I would like to thank my guest, Mr. Jacob Williams, for coming on. I will be back in a month, and I will have a new guest to cover on as the invasion continues. Thanks, Jake. <laughs>